Welcome to Regenerative Spaces, a podcast that explores holistic and sustainable paths toward thriving in the fields of agriculture, education, spirituality, and beyond. I'm your host, Stacy Poliche, and I'm a regenerative farmer in Santa Barbara, California, with a background of three plus decades as a psychologist, environmental activist, author, and educator. Each week on this show, I get to chat with one of the essential teachers who has informed my own path and whose regenerative wisdom I want to share with you too. Today, I am with Tom Cole and Warren Brush. And the two of them have collectively more than 60 years of combined work in agroecology and community development, with a particular focus on displaced populations and humanitarian contexts. They've spent their respective careers developing nature-based workable solutions to some of today's most pressing and vexing challenges especially around climate change and biodiversity loss. Now, they've also done many other things. Tom, I know that you've been in sustainable agriculture locally. You've done many things. Warren, I'm familiar with Quail Springs and Wilderness Youth. Between the two of you, if you would each take a moment and give us a few ideas about what you guys have done, and then I want to get on to the really exciting part. Great. Thank you, Stacy. Nice to be here with you and with Warren. Um, yeah, where to, where to begin here? Uh, certainly spent a lot of time here in the Santa Barbara area working with a, a farmer named Michael Abelman at Fairview Gardens Farm, and he was one of my sort of mentors in terms of, of sort of intensive organic vegetable production. And, and fruit, and how to how to look at a space and and really sort of visualize and in 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 practice, sort of be able to maximize the amount of food you can grow in in a small space. And I I came to working with him, having spent close to four years in uh, post-war Mozambique, where I basically my mentor there was. Uh, also an incredible vegetable grower um, named Tesoro, who had mm -hmm. one leg. His, his, his leg had been blown off in a landmine during the war, and he was targeted because he was so successful. Ooh. And so those are some of my early mentors and, and sort of inspirations in, uh, in growing food and how to sort of work with nature and mimic nature's processes to be able to grow things, but also working with communities and communities that were under stress or displaced or post-war, post-conflict, and how do you how do you work with the landscape and with communities to really help help them become food secure? And so that's that's a lot of my trajectory from 30 years ago up up through today. Okay. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> Great. And Warren, tell us a little bit about yeah, what you've been up thank to. Thank you. It's good to be here with you, Stacy and Tom. Um, I've uh, been in Santa Barbara for quite a while, since the early 80s. And uh, a lot of my initial work around uh, 
food system development and, and doing more regenerative type food systems came in a different way than Tom. It, it really came through uh, the nature awareness movement and, and uh, the uh, time spent with mentors who were teaching me around tracking and how to track a man named Tom Brown Jr. And, um, being able to learn to read subtle signs in the natural landscape. And that turned me on to this understanding around pattern recognition and looking at how we live in a world of patterns within patterns and nature is made up of patterns. We are made up of patterns. And how that ended up expressing itself over years was working with youth um, early on uh, out of Transition House here in uh, Santa Barbara, and then that eventually became my wife and I started an organization here in Santa Barbara called Wilderness Youth Project. And <clears throat> over and over, we would get kids who would come out over the weekends, and they would be learning how to wild harvest foods and how to... Um, you know, process acorns into into good carbohydrates and making uh, fire by friction and and living in 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 uh, debris huts. And they would say, "Well, how do we live more not like this, but in a way that's not destroying the earth around us? How mm -hmm. do we do that?" And mm -hmm. that was the impetus for us to really start Quell Springs, which was our foray into understanding agroecology and how it plays out, how to design using per the permaculture design science, um, and then looking at how to do that in, in marginal and damaged landscapes, and especially in dry landscapes. And so that uh, trajectory ended me, or, or sent me down the path of, of, of working in several different areas. Post-war Liberia was my first, uh, first uh, project that I was able to apply some of my agricultural experience to, and, uh, and that really sent me down the, the road of, of uh, com how to work with community and how to, how to oftentimes help people remember how to grow food without destroying the land around you, but actually how to build that ecology. And, and that, you know, eventually Tom and I came together and a lot of our work started to then blend in developing some of these as tools for the humanitarian and development space. Okay, wow. You, I, I think I may have mentioned, are both my big heroes and I'm a huge fangirl and I'm just reminded why. <laughs> Um, so bear with me, guys. Um, so this is fascinating. We can go deep on each of these things. However, what I really want to talk about today is this project that you've been working on in Uganda. And it's with African Women Rising. And it's a training center. And I really want to just leave the details to you. But could you guys each give me a little, give us a little bit of information about that? Absolutely, thank you. Um, so the the site that you're talking about, that you're referencing, is in Palabek Refugee Settlement, um, and it's a project that Warren and I are doing together with the with the team of African Women Rising. And just to back up a little bit, um, my wife Linda Eckerbaum Cole is the director of African Women Rising, and we we co-founded the organization back in 2006, and this is right during the, the end of the war. There's a war uh, in northern Uganda, and we 
having spent years both in Mozambique and Angola, um, and basically sort of working with war-affected populations and, and going back to school in humanitarian assistance, um, by this time we were living in Uganda, I was working for Save the Children. Uh, I was one of the, I was their Africa region agriculture advisor and we were living there and Linda st spent a year uh, going into northern Uganda, talking with women's groups, talking with thought leaders, religious leaders, uh, in these camps for the internally displaced. At that point, the entire population of northern Uganda were basically in refugee camps. And this is from civil war? This is, yeah, an internal civil mm -hmm. war. And so African Women Rising came out of that experience of what happens to women who were part of these fighting forces when they, the, the fighting ends and they go back to their communities? Like where, you know, who's giving them support? What sort of support do they need to sort of rebuild their lives? And so that was Linda's thesis um, in, in graduate school, in looking at that and using her own experience from her years prior, but then applying it in northern Uganda. And we saw, I worked with Save the Children, as I said, and we were really focused on child soldiers. There was a lot of emphasis on, on child soldiers, and, and the World Bank and other funding agencies were funding these centers to demobilize and disarm uh, fighters from the war. And 100% of the people coming in were men. So you hand in a gun, you get some training in agriculture or woodworking or auto detailing or mechanicry, me mechanics. You're given a set of tools and you go out. And we were seeing, and Linda was seeing, that uh, women were getting no support. Mm. And so that, that was the genesis. I just wanted to lay that out. Mm -hmm. That was the genesis for African Women Rising in post-war Mozambique of how do you support these women, and they're in groups of women, and they, what they said, they wanted to learn agricultural skills. Uh, there's a whole generation of Acholi people in northern Uganda that lost, didn't have a chance to farm for decades because of the war. They wanted to become literate. Uh, many of them had been kidnapped when they are in primary school, so in second grade, third grade, and they never had a chance to go to school. And they wanted to learn basic business skills and learn about savings and how to um, sort of manage savings and have savings uh, because really they had no income. And so that, back in 2006, was born African Women Rising and this idea, what, what has become a graduation model of helping move people out of extreme poverty through a series of sort of holistic programming. And mm -hmm. uh, as it turns out, one of those core pieces is, is the regenerative agriculture side. And that, that's where I'm, I'm working closely with Warren and their team. And so there was a perma garden um, design that was developed and has been utilized in other zones as well. Can you just say just two things about that? There's a particular design that's unique 
and something that you practice. Is that, sure. Am I right there? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I developed the Permagarden methodology. Okay. Um, so this is coming out of that time with Save the Children, where all over, I, I would see agricultural projects all over Africa, and they're failing. Bottom line, once the funding is done, you go back out into a farmer's field who is in the program a year later, and, and they're not really practicing things anymore because they're, they're not being given products, seeds, tools, uh, fertilizers mm. anymore. And I, I just, it struck me, like, how, how many agricultural projects fail, tree planting projects just failing? And it, it dawned on me that these organizations that profess to be sort of agricultural organizations aren't teaching the principles behind growing food. So they're teaching good, what's called good agricultural practices, proper plant spacing, timely sowing of the seeds, timely weeding, good harvest you know, practices, but they're, they're not working with farmers on how to build soil biology or, or soil fertility. They're not working with farmers on how to understand to, to capture rainfall okay. in, in, a, in a way. And so working in these humanitarian settings, I began to put together this, what, what a colleague and I at the time, we called the permagarden methodology that was based around sort of the, the permaculture design framework, sort of the design elements of permaculture. The, the deep soil preparation of the biointensive agriculture movement, water harvesting practices pulled from you know, water harvesting, agroforestry. So it, it was a blended package designed specifically for organizations to use in sort of humanitarian in the field. In the field, yeah. in a, a very specific set, you know, set of training, okay. a, a training methodology. So I want to, this is so interesting, and I want to know, so Warren, I'm familiar with Quail Springs and a permaculture program, certification program, that I believe you designed and created. I took that program, and um, it holds many of the same principles. How do they share? How do they differ? Mm. Have you guys um, worked together mm. to, to create what you're currently yeah. doing? So... Uh, at Quail Springs, for once I had been doing quite a bit of work in, in sub-Saharan Africa, we started to offer a permaculture design certification course, but for people specifically working in the, the humanitarian development um, industry, and, and tailored it for um, specifically programs and how a program could take this knowledge and apply it in their unique operating context. And so Tom was one of those people that everybody around Santa Barbara was saying, have you met this guy? And I, I mean, for years that was the case. And yeah. you know how Santa uh -huh. Barbara is. But we finally came together and we sat and we said, you did what? And he's like, oh, you did what? And all of a sudden we realized we had all these cross threads of connection and also uh, different experiences that could come together and have have some synergy, I, I believe. Um, 
that that could really uh, that w w in the very beginning of this it was it was for that course so he would come out to Quell Springs and help to teach that and offer his really unique and very profound experience that um, really helped a lot of the people that were coming from agencies all over the world and people wanting to get into that work and so that was kind of where we came together and and then back in 2014, Tom uh, had been working with USAID, uh, a, a program within USAID that was a technical support program for a lot of their uh, humanitarian work that was going on. The Bureau of Humanitarian Assistance is what it's now called, the agency um, within that. And, and he said, hey, we're having this learning event in Washington, D.C., Let's come to, you know, why don't you come out? And he invited other people. And we kind of came in as an edge, with edge ideas for a lot of the, the USAID folks that were there around how to approach agriculture from a different perspective than the Green Revolution industrial model that has been showing itself over and over again in you know, in small and big ways that it's not successful in Africa. And it's, and it's in the long term, it's, it's degrading the land and one of the big contributors to the climate issues that are going on now. And so we came in and did this learning event. And out of that, a couple of us joined their team to start to put the, like the permagarden piece and this work with agroecology and, and with um, agroforestry into um, a, a system of training and demonstration that could be built out within a program context. So very specific place of leverage, I like to say, because you have these agencies that are out there with millions of dollars doing all this work out there, and a lot of them are actually causing harm in communities because they're not looking at the whole, whole picture. Right. They're not looking at whole systems. So that's where Resilience Design came out of that partnership of many of us who were a part of that original, um, <clears throat> that original learning event. And that has, has brought us to northern Uganda now with this project with African Women Rising. And one of the things that we've been wanting to do is to develop the first dedicated training site to this process and and that it's a uh, not only a training site where you go and you learn these concepts but it's a training site that you apply the concepts as you're learning them so you're you're immersed in a demonstration site it's also set up for research and this site a AWR was it just timed perfectly with the resilience design movement and where AWR was heading with their agricultural programming to to be the the lead on this and to really um, take leadership in in make in fundraising for this in getting the site set up and this is really going to be from our research the first site of its type doing regenerative agriculture on this scale in a refugee context and right so super exciting and that's one of the most unique features of what you guys are doing is that from what I understand when there is a refugee camp. It is a crisis situation, and land is chosen because it's not valuable, probably. And then what happens to that land, and how is this different? What are you doing? I think this is one of the more revolutionary aspects of what you're doing. Exactly. The, 
In most refugee camps, yes, they're, they're chosen in areas uh, where the land is usually already degraded. Uh, some of these areas of northern Uganda that have you know, 1.5 million refugees right now across a dozen refugee camps, uh, we, wor we work in one, and just in the five years that that camp has been there, you, you see the, the tree coverage is being lost, um, and not for any nefarious reasons. People need uh, wood to cook their food, to build their homes, um, to have an income. Um, so refugee camps writ large, they're, they're hugely, it's a degenerative place. Mm -hmm. The land every year just gets poorer and poorer, uh, heavy erosion during the rains, people... Uh, and their people in the camps, they're basically entirely reliant on outsiders for food, for medicine, for any materials. And so, you know, you look at a lot of the agricultural or food security support given in these camps, and organizations will come in and every year hand out seeds for people to grow gardens. And during the rainy season, the gardens look good, things are growing, but there's you know six or seven months of really harsh, dry, brutal weather, weather out there, and many of these gardens dry up, they're abandoned, and that is the time when you see a lot of what we call seasonal hunger, or the hunger, you know, the lean season. And through our work with Resilience Design in the Permagarden, so much of what we're trying to do is design the small piece of land that refugees have. It's 30 meters by 30 meters, so basically 100 feet by 100 foot okay. um, plot of land. And we are looking at how do you build out a system there that uh, can start, A, producing food within weeks, Wow. but also has this sort of longer time horizon, both medium and long term, where you have tree crops, a, a variety of tree crops that can uh, give income in the dry season when everything else, there's maybe no water to grow anything else. They're still harvesting from the trees. And we do a process, what we call you know, stabilizing the hydrology of that site. So when the rain comes, it comes down heavy. And usually the ground is bare or denuded, and, and the, the, it causes massive erosion. So refugees are learning the, the principles and, and techniques on how to have agency to slow this water down, how to put the water where they want it, right? And how to, what we call, bank the water deep in their soils. So on these 30-meter by 30-meter sites, Refugees are now harvesting hundreds of thousands of liters, you know, of gallons uh, of water mm -hmm. on these sites, which then support a greater amount of biodiversity that we're planting out. And so this model, what we've been, African Women Rising has been doing in this refugee camp, is helping refugees within 18 months build out a food forest at their wow. homestead. And so... The, the site that Warren was just talking about, um, African Women Rising was given a five hectare or 12 and a, 12 and a half acre 
plot of land, degraded land, and that's where we're building out this training, research, and demonstration site. And it's, it's, it's truly, it's pretty radical. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very exciting. And um, really, the idea is, is to start bringing in uh, smaller organizations from around Uganda to be able to come and learn. Uh, also for the refugees, for the staff of African Women Rising, who are really some of the leaders of this globally, to build their expertise and their skill set and their confidence, capacity to lead these trainings. But also, it's a site where we're already getting requests from the United Nations World Food Program, and the United Nations uh, Office for, for uh, Migration, yeah, the IOM, where they're like, we need to send our staff there. And so already the buzz around this site, I mean, we, we could book it out um, already. It's, well, it's, I have <laughs> goals for you guys. Uh, I told Linda that in three years I want to hear about another continent where you guys are uh, building out. Mm. But I just want to say, so it's, it's essentially teaching the teachers, training the trainers so that you can grow that mm -hmm information, yeah. not just feeding people, yeah. but giving them, teaching them how to yeah. fish, essentially. And, and Tom and I are, you know, this has been a big part of our strategy over these last years, and we're calling it even the trainers of trainers of trainers. So, okay. Uh, where we're, we're, try, we're actually mentoring a few people right now to really work at a high level to engage agencies with this particular style and, and or I should say a particular tool set that allows their agency to start to work with more regenerative practices in their agricultural programs, but also with their, you know, there's a, there's a whole sector called WASH, like water and sanitation and natural resource management. So looking at all these different ways these agencies are working to how do you design whole site systems that are restorative and that are you know, eventually this, hopefully this camp won't need to be here at some point. Right. And that people will be able to take these skills home, but then what's left behind? And, and one of the things we're trying to introduce into this space, the humanitarian space, is we can actually make the land better and, and, and more productive than when it became a camp in the first place. That's and, beautiful, yeah. And I think that, you know, because there's still a host community there. And that's mm -hmm. another piece I really like about African Women Rising is they, they work equally with the host community. And so they're not just working with refugees, they're working with all the people that already live there and have been somewhat displaced and, and affected by all these you know tens of thousands of people coming in. And right. so it's an important part of this work. And, and this particular site, as Tom was saying, is really being structured as a as a training hub for agencies local, regional, and global. And and um, I I'm really excited about this because we're this is what's needed. Is we've always found the most effective way to train someone is doing it through demonstrating with them right. where they're getting the muscle the memory they're, they're, it's experiential and so this site gives us a great opportunity not just to work on the farm but also to work in the community doing permagarden programming and all of that so um, yeah it's 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 something where over these next years there's going to be, whether we're in another continent or not, <laughs> there's going to be places in other continents that will be affected by the site. 
And Warren, you, we've talked we've talked before um, when we first set out on this project. We were, you know, as a regenerative agriculture site, training site, and research and demonstration. But we we've had a couple of experiences yeah. over there, uh, working over there over the last year, that have broadened our thinking. And and maybe you could just speak to sort of this this sort of broadening the scope of regeneration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one story that comes to mind is uh, as we were setting this uh, this site up initially, we. We did our initial earthworks to stabilize the hydrology. We started planting out those earthworks with a lot of different plant materials. And we, um, what started happening is the refugees would come in the night and steal plant material. And so they would take trees, they would take sweet potato vines, they would, and, you know, and at first we're like, oh, you know, darn you know like this is like we're trying to get this going but it's a setback but then we're like wow but think about that like you would go on to a a site and steal a sweet potato vine the 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 desperation for plant material Uh and so what we did is we step back and always in permaculture we do that we look at the big picture before we go into the details and we step back and said you know this is one of the roles of this site it's not just a demonstration site not just a place we do research and it's not just a place we train but this site could be a life regeneration hub for that greater community Mm -hmm. of refugees and the host community by providing hundreds of thousands of tree seedlings by providing sweet potato vines and all sorts of other plant stock and being a seed hub for that community. And we were like, whoa, wait a minute. This is what's needed in every refugee camp. You need a life regeneration system that actually the, it's like you can train people, but is the material there to actually plant it out? And so it was a big aha for us because we were like, okay, that's a big part of our journey now is to provide those plant materials, not just tree seedlings, but also and, and plant material, but even animal systems that, you know, like small animals that they could keep, like chickens and rabbits mm-hmm. and, you know, um, uh, another one is pigeons and bees. All of that takes the initial stock to get going and so this this site that's one of our big ahas over this last year that this place is also we're adding to the tagline there that it's a life regeneration hub god that is so powerful and so beautiful and it gives me a lot of hope and these are spaces that are the most desperate and i from what i've understood the refugee situation is only getting much much worse as well as the un food supplies or you know, yeah. given this, you know, a war or whatever, climate change, that that's getting more dire. I mean, we gathered last year to talk about this almost mm-hmm. a year ago. That's right. And over the last year, the number of globally displaced has gone up another 20 million. There's about 115 million people around globally, the world. Globally, yeah. Globally, forcibly wow. displaced. Um, you have just in the last month, uh, conflict exploding again uh, in Sudan. You right. still have the the aftershocks of of the war in Ukraine and sort of global food supply disruption. Um, a lot of the <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the food aid that's distributed at least throughout Africa comes from Ukraine. 
And so you've had this massive disruption. And so with food aid, uh, deliveries are, are disrupted. The amount of food being given out, the, the ration size is decreasing. And the cost of it all is going through the roof. As we all know, globally doing business, doing business here in Santa Barbara, the cost of everything, mm -hmm. transport, goods, materials has gone up. And so, yeah, that just point that the humanitarian situation is deteriorating yeah, yeah. for sure. And so this is sort of we're, we're trying to inject some some hope and 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 not just talking about it, but really like this is what's happening on the ground. And, and just to see that that amount of, of change just in a year is it's it's heartening mm -hmm. uh, and exciting because we're, we're really on the on the leading edge of of something here. Well, thank you. I have so many more questions, of course, and I'll hopefully have you back. But I just want to say that it gives me a feeling of community love where you are showing people how to awaken their hearts amid suffering. Noble mm. work, you two. Thank mm. you so much. Can you tell the audience where they can follow this project? Yeah. Thank you, Stacey. Yeah, thank Lo you, Stacey. Lovely to have this conversation. Um, we will be sharing updates on this uh, on the African Women Rising uh, website. So it's www.africanwomenrising.org. Okay. Um, and sometime over this next year, we'll, we'll have our own site where we'll be able to be providing updates. Okay. Go to the, the AWR. And I'll so. put that in the notes on the podcast. So That's great. Great. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. being here. That's a wrap for today's episode of Regenerative Spaces. If you found this episode valuable or thought-provoking, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll keep the conversation going over on Instagram. So join me at Stacy Poliche and share your thoughts, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. And before we go, your support means the world to me. If you have a moment, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us reach even more people looking to spark sustainable change in our world. Stay curious, stay inspired, and until next time, this is Stacy Poliche, and you've been listening to Regenerative Spaces. Mm -hmm.